hello everybody uh we're gonna give you know folks just a second to kind of come in here uh because mm -hmm. we don't have an intro yet one day we will <laughs> one day um so we're just gonna kind of be um uh chilling for just a sec while people have a chance to file in so uh while they're doing that uh nathan i'm sure everybody would love to hear <laughs> how how is how has your week been Oh, great, man. Great. Uh, just came back recently from the festival, as you know. Uh, I'm injured. I'm actually kind of... I got a tan, man. I'm, I'm actually kind of tanned now. It's kind of nice. Um, in the sun for like 12 hours constantly each day, just drinking beer and listening to heavy metal. It was absolutely great. It's the break I needed for the first time in two years. Saw some great bands, met some awesome people, and, you know, just absolutely fantastically happy. It's... Uh, it's very needed. <laughs> well, what about you? How have you been all week? Because we haven't done an episode in like a week, two weeks, actually. Yeah, that was my bad last time. I had a family medical thing pop up. But um, yeah. it's been good. Um, I wasn't able to stream as much as I wanted this week because we're having a new uh, patio installed ah, out back. Ooh. And the old one was made out of uh, stone. Joins the Red Host. <laughs> Cursed Sotek Spawn. I turned my alerts off. Thanks for all the great streams. Hey, Smogog. Thanks so much for renewing your sub and all that. But now I'm going to mute that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, but, um, so, uh, no, it's been good. Um been uh busy preparing for a few things um i need to finish getting all of my stuff for my trip to uh scotland figured out um because i got all the hotel and plane stuff done but i still need to get a hotel figured out mm. so um we'll do that soon and then uh but yeah i mean it's been good lately um we'll kind of get into hobby stuff in a little bit um yeah. But yeah, it's been mostly just dealing with like contractors out back because they had to take out the old patio, which was like this really ugly, like pink stone. Mm. Like it was almost like it was kind of like that asphalt texture where it's like like right. really bumpy and stuff. And it was this mm. ugly pink color, and uh, we hated it. So they finally, we finally um, got around to having it ripped out of the ground, uh, nice. which was super noisy. Um, and now they're putting in like a really sleek, like slate, uh, one that you'll be able to, and it's also a lot bigger than the old one. We went from, we went from having a patio that was maybe, um, um, gosh, was probably like, I don't know, 15 feet or something like that. Just super not, it was, it was pretty, like you could fit a grill and a table on it and that was about it. Um, the new one is like bigger than the apartments i've had <laughs> it's like massively for further out um and is really really good nice oh um midi just uh just to let you know no i didn't get shanked basically what happened is i got flipped into a railing during the creator gig uh which is always fun uh i mean if you go see creator you expect to get hurt so when you say flipped into a ra railing Walk us yeah. through what, what physically this entails. Right, so uh, do you know what a uh, wall of death is? Uh, I, I'm familiar with the term, but why don't you explain it for anyone that doesn't? It's a massive mosh pit where everyone just kind of separates for a while, and when the band says go, everyone just smashes into each other. And uh, the singer from Creator was basically screaming circle pit every time he could, so everyone was just beating the shit out of each other constantly, which was great. I'm a big creative fan, and it was it was nice to actually um, 
get into a pit again, but yeah, I got flipped into a railing and I got kind of cut, which eh, happens. You kind of put yourself into that risk if you take part into one of those events. Uh, but he, he's an absolutely tremendous vocalist, and you could tell that he was commanding all 5,000 people there. It was, it was great. Sorry, dog was... <laughs> oh, there she is. Oh, I see her. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, oh, look at her. Sorry. It's like, normally I'm happy to let her bark, but then I remembered that this is supposed to go on the, the, the podcast episodes, and uh, I don't think people want to listen to a giant dog bark. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, it, it's, a, it's a weird thing when it comes to these uh, mosh bits, but uh, it, it's just nice to be around people that you, um, that you get along with, especially metalheads. There's always this massive sense of community. It was just, uh, it was great. Like, I got picked up as soon as I fell down. I noticed I was bleeding. And they, they, they were like, oh, yeah, let's move you to the infirmary. He's like, ah, man, like, let the concert finish. Then I can go to the infirmary. <laughs> There's only, like, 30 minutes left, so it was, I could wait. Oh, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you lived, and that's the important bit. I, uh... <laughs> All right, so I think we are ready to go ahead and get into the real meat for today. Mm -hmm. So uh, welcome, everyone, back to Lorebeards. Uh, we apologize that it's been a little bit. Uh, we, we had some, or I had some issues I had to take care of uh, last week um, with uh, family medical stuff, but we are all good for this week. So um, there's quite a bit on the agenda to, for today. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get started. And, of course, the first thing we're going to start is uh, we've already been kind of talking about what we've been up to this week. But um, let's uh, talk more specifically about what Warhammer stuff we've been up to this week as far as um, uh, any gaming or hobbyisms or any of that stuff. Uh, Nathan, have you been, uh, since the last episode of Lorebeards, I should say, uh, I know mm -hmm. you've been uh, filling up some display cases. Um, yeah. But uh, what, all, what all have you been up to? I've been getting all my stuff out of storage. So right now, uh, it can't be seen too well, but I've been filling up. The case back there, which has got Tomb Kings at the top. It still needs the rest of them. I just don't know where the rest of the box is. At the bottom, I've got uh, some Bretonians. They finally come out. And just bringing out all the stuff. I found all my Night Goblins and Savage Orcs. Now I just need to find my standard ones. And I've been repainting some Orcs. Because at this point, I was like, well, if I'm going to start filling it out, there's a lot of boys that I just didn't finish. Grimgore, I've stripped down so he can get a nice paint job. And Azag needs to be rebuilt because, unfortunately, when he went to storage, uh, the Wyvern, unfortunately, took a little bit of damage. Yeah, I mean, that's not unusual. I mean, yeah. It's, Warhammer minis and storage usually don't play nice together. <laughs> yeah. But slowly but surely, everything's coming out. I did manage to finish a few boxes, so the, the, uh, the uh, shelving unit at the top there is missing a few boxes because I've managed to finish a Primaris Repulsor, uh, my start collecting Skeletal Hordes, and I think one of the malignant boxes because I was just finishing off my vampire counts and just trying to get rid of that. But slowly but surely, getting back to it. Next week it's all Kriegsman, though. Awesome. So uh, um, I know you said a good amount of those were coming out of storage. Any have you been doing? Or are any of those like things you've been painting specifically or building or anything? Yeah. So basically, I had to put everything on storage because this room was getting redone, and now I'm just trying to bring everything back up. Uh, so. Like, I'm trying to figure out logistically how I can fit all my Skaven in here, which I don't think is going to happen. Like, I need a room possibly double my size. Uh, <laughs> it, 
it's it's going to be a bit awkward. But I've been trying to finish up some armies, just like all my old world armies need to be completed, just in case, you know. So when everything comes out, I've got some stuff ready to like do battle reports and just get some games in. Uh, I've been wanting to finish up my Bretonians for a while, so I brought them out first. I've got about twelve questing knights that have just currently been primed to, so they need to be done. Gotcha. Awesome, dude. It's old metal stuff that's always fun but what about you uh i've been good i um uh have been working a little bit more on my night haunts uh i put together a new lady Ollander model uh because my old one was just i I just couldn't stand it anymore um (laughs) she was like really bent in a few places um because i mean if you look at her mini um this is the this is the one that i'm getting rid or this is the one that got all messed up but like one of her arm her hand broke off which is just you can see how thin it is. Yeah. Even if I repaired it, the odds that it would break again are really, really high. And her staff and her you can see that the only thing holding her up is this spot right here, right? Yeah. So um it's just a really skinny model. So I decided to just get a new one um and build it up from scratch. And it looks a lot better. Uh and is actually standing straight up as opposed to leaning at a weird angle. So, uh, super nice. Uh, but um, that, and uh, I bought a set of, like, graves um, that I'm going to be putting onto some of my models uh, to give them a little bit more... Uh, kind of a upside and a downside with AOS minis is that the bases are significantly larger than they were in Fantasy. Um, so, um, you, you kind of, like, need... Um, to buy terrain features for your bases if the minis yeah. don't come with a lot of them just because you just have so much space that it'll just be empty otherwise. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, if you want it to look nice, you, you kind of have to add some more uh, stuff on there. Um, some of the minis will come with, like, a lot of terrain as part of their base, but most of them don't. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I've been mostly up to. Um, I'm hoping to get a lot more painting done uh, this week. Um, in particular, because I actually have another Age of Sigmar tournament coming up. I want to say it's the 18th. I'm pretty sure it's the 18th, um, which I think is not this Saturday or not next Saturday, but the one after that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's when my uh, next tournament is, which I'm really, really excited for. Um, for most of the players in my community, it's kind of like their practice tournament for. Um, the Houston Grand Tournament. Uh, I think it's Hammerfest uh, is the Houston Grand Tournament, but I'm not going to that, unfortunately. So uh, I'm just, you know, going to go to that so I can get my Texas Masters points in. <laughs> but um, speaking of painting minis, uh, which is something that many people hate, but everyone should be doing. <laughs> uh, me and uh, Nathan were talking a bit uh, between episodes, and Nathan had a really, really cool idea of introducing kind of a new segment onto Lore Beards that'll be on every episode um, that also uh, allows for y'all, all the listeners, to actually get involved uh, in the community. So, Nathan, why don't you uh, walk us through the plan? So, many of you guys have possibly read for White Dwarf and so on, and there's events that usually pops up called Tale of Four Gamers, Tale of Three Gamers, and so on. We're going to take part in that, too. And by the way, to people in my community, this will also link up to Paint Your Plastic, where we're going to decide a week before, go, okay, 
we're going to do lords and or lords and heroes and we're all going to take part paint a lord or hero option and we're going to show it off on the podcast on the live stream of course and uh, any vods and uh, we're going to take part we're going to show off your minis too if you take part and that's just going to be really fun because that way we can all take part in something together uh, i've not been able to take part a lot in the whole uh, paint your plastic event because obviously we got busy but this is another incentive for everyone where we can show off your minis if you've got anything that you're really proud of this will be a really cool way for everyone just to be together and make it a big community thing yeah and so w- w- the way we're gonna implement the community aspect is uh actually make some half decent use uh out of twitter and we'll probably expand it to discord as well but um the idea will be that we're basically gonna have a, a lorebeards hashtag on twitter so you, you know you just type in hashtag lorebeards and what uh, we'll do is that uh, when it's time for a Lorebeards episode and where you get to this segment, I'll have that opened up so we can bring it up on screen. So um, whatever many you've uh, finished or been working on, uh, you can just post onto Twitter using that hashtag and it will show up uh, on Lorebeards. So we'll be able to see what the community has been working on. Um, and uh, we may also add uh, that to Discord as well. I'll talk to Nathan about that uh, after stream and we'll put out an announcement about it um but uh this will be a great way for y'all to be able to paint some minis and show them off to everybody and for uh me to actually do any painting (laughs) (laughs) to make his way through uh, his backlog as well um but uh um uh the goal is also that there will be certain themes Uh, whenever you submit your mini it obviously doesn't have to be part of the theme uh you can just do whatever you have on your log or just show off minis that you've painted. But uh, uh, Nathan, what do you think we should start with? What should be the first uh, subject for um, this Tale of Two Gamers? So uh, since we're starting off strong, should we start off with like uh, what we would call in fantasy a Lord choice? Uh, like uh, I'm not too sure what it's supposed to be called in 40K because my brain's not working. I've taken a few too many punches today. But, uh, you know, like a character, an army leader... That would always be kind of cool, you know, just a singular mini, get everyone started going with that. Uh, remember, it doesn't have to be immaculate, immaculately painted if a HQ choice, yes, a HQ choice. Just as long as it's something uh, that you're proud of, you, do, you don't have to be the best painter in the world. Trust me, I'm not. It's just what? for fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, so just a hero choice, just like a character um yeah and it's any it's any hobby um is like it could be 40k it could be H sigmar it could be fantasy it could be whatever nobody cares um so uh hopefully you'll all join us on that um i i already know what mini i'm going to be working on um and Same. uh for the record we won't be uh if you want to post pictures we will uh show them off but uh the you will have uh functionally two weeks um but so like hopefully we'll be having our next episode of lord beards not this sunday but next sunday so that episode we will be showing off anyone that has submitted their stuff but i probably won't be done with my stuff so we'll be running here like do a hero for two weeks um so uh if you'd like to be able to participate in that then uh that that would be our uh that's gonna be the theme for that i've already picked my mini What, what are you gonna go with I've got a Painbringer from the Gluto set. I've got him on a square base. I want him to be my Sineshi, uh nice. Warlord, you know? Nice. Uh, I think I'm either going to do 
Uh, I think I'm going to do my either a Knight of Shrouds or if I can really get the balls, I think I might go ahead and try and paint Lady Ollander. <laughs> uh, choices. <laughs> it scares me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, so that's all uh, what we're going to be working on. Uh, and we really hope that y'all participate. Once again, uh, the hashtag will be uh, hashtag Lorebeards if you're on Twitter. And we will probably open up some Discord channels for people that just, you know, think Twitter's cancer, don't want to deal with it, which is totally understandable. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that's uh, pretty much it for that and uh, intro type stuff. So let's head into today's actual first topic, which is we're going to talk Warhammer games, but not Warhammer games that most people, most of you are probably playing. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about less well-known Warhammer games that we think should be more well-known um, games that we would heavily recommend um, for everyone to try out and kind of give you a pitch of it as well. And I'll have something cool to show off at the, the end of this re uh, regarding uh, something related to the topic. But uh, let's, let's start with Nathan. What, what game uh, or games, but let's, let's start with a uh, uh, one would you really recommend that's Warhammer themed for uh, people who you, you just think it's underrated? One I've been playing a lot lately, and it's a shame it doesn't get more attention, is Gladius. Um, basically, Civilization, but Warhammer 40k. The, the devs are fantastic. The publisher is great, right? They really care about what they release. And the game is just really, really fun. I've done a lot of... Um, scenarios where i've played like with people like linksy and we do two versus 14 ai and just basically try and survive which we normally fail but it, it's, it's a great game and it deserves a lot more love i think they've been hinting at about a sequel too so i really really hope that it picks up because it's just such a fun game with all these different mechanics the uh campaign itself is just so open it's very sandboxy think of it like total war but civilization style and there's so many different choices of races and stuff. And modding, the modding community is so on the ball. It's like, that. I know one modder is trying to bring in Imperial Knights, and they look so good. So what, uh, off the top of your head, what are, like, the races available? Uh, you can play as Orcs, Space Marines, Chaos Space Marines, Tau, Eldar. There's a few others, I think. Necrons, Necrons are overpowered. Uh, Tyranids, too. They're just really, really fun. A oh, little bit Tyranids. of everything. Yeah, yeah, Tyranids are really fun. You I get to eat to, the planet. I might need to try that out. <laughs> I I, oh, you've not played... Oh, dude, you should. Like, with Nids, you can actually eat the terrain, so it's inhospitable. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> great. Wow, that's funny. It is honestly super, super good. One of my favorite games, like, when you just want to chill, you've got, like, some background music and so on. It's so good. Like, the soundtrack is great and everything, and it's just, it is. And, oh, the great thing is it's not like a basic turn base where if you click enter, it goes through all the different races and factions one by one. The AI is done in such a way that they all act in one go. Oh, okay. So it's just, it's really, really good, and it's, it's got a fast end time. It's just really, 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 really good. Um, when, when it comes to like the battle system, is, is it like, is it like civilization where it's just kind of like you click a unit, they go onto a tile and those two just fight for a second and then it kind of like does the math? Yeah, it, it's very much like Civ. Uh, the, the thing is obviously since it's Warhammer, uh, you have to deal with a lot of different aspects. Like for example, if you play Imperial Guard, 
and you've got basilisks you, you can bombard them from really far away uh not everyone has the same option for bases in terms of base uh, play style too so for example space marines only get one base whereas with imperial guards you can just play like a guardsman and just build up fortifications everywhere and just constantly uh try to outswarm your enemy uh range comes into effect you've got flyers too uh i think a pretty big amount of the 8th edition armies are there in terms of roster so you've got a lot of variety too oh okay well that's uh that's great um okay awesome well uh, uh, you know what i think i think i will actually check that out um uh very very soon yeah because I, I, I know that i know the 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 devs behind it are very proactive um honestly if, now that i think about it if we had probably messaged them there might have been we, we might have been able to offer a discount or something but uh that slipped my mind but uh <laughs> we'll remember that for the future um yeah so for my game, uh, the game that I would actually heavily recommend to people that I play a lot, especially recently, is Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, Warhammer mm. Online. Wait, I think it's Warhammer Underworlds Online. I think is the full title. Um, so yeah. for anyone unaware, Warhammer Under um, uh, Warhammer Underworlds is a kind of like a side game by Games Workshop that was uh, made for Age of Sigmar, where you basically get these like little squads. They're called warbands that um are they are all like named characters with like little histories and stuff uh which is uh so they're not just like generic dudes they're like lovingly created models that have all these really cool little thematic elements to them and most races in age of sigmar now have one uh but the video game is basically just a digital version i mean it's literally just the tabletop game brought into a digital format so the characters like move around and attack and make noise and stuff uh, but it is a stupidly fun game um, mm. that is now very, very cheap and easy to get into, uh, especially because you can buy the game uh, insanely cheap, and it only comes with two warbands at the start, but then you just do a la carte. Like, you just get the warbands you want. Um, all of the warbands are in the game, so you can fight anybody, regardless of what DLC you own. And you also have all the cards, which actually makes it significantly cheaper than its physical version. Uh, not, you know, just because the actual physical version is infinitely more expensive. I think, like, every Warband is the size of a, uh, the price of a game is Games Workshop. But um, normally the way it works in person is the cards are locked to certain Warbands. So, like, if you want a certain card for your Warband of, like... It doesn't matter what Warband you're playing because every box comes with, like, universal cards. So even if I just played, like, the Lizardman Warband... I would still need to buy most of the other warbands to get all the cards that I would want uh, to make a certain kind of deck per se, um, which is not a horrible business practice because at least there's not like a random element to like the card element of the game, like the like card packs. But it is annoying <laughs> because it can make it very expensive. Um, but uh, the the video game completely removes all of that. Um, yeah. The game is really solid. It's updated on a very regular basis. There's usually a, a large free LC update every two to three months. And they've been adding warbands fairly consistently. Uh, they Ooh. very recently finished adding all of the season one warbands. So I want to say there's like 12 or somewhere between 12 and 14 warbands in the game now. Um, not every race is in yet. Obviously, like I said, they've just finished season one. And they've done or they've done two of the season two warbands. And in the tabletop, we're about to go into season five. 
<laughs> so uh they, they you know they got they, i don't think they're ever going to be able to catch up but uh they're trying and uh i would heavily recommend it it's a great game um you the bots are reasonably fun to play against literally the game's only downside is that it's at its best when you have lots of human players to play against and yeah. the game's population isn't great at the moment because i think the game's initial launch struggled a bit um and that the game because they launched it with like a handful of warbands instead of just two the game was a little pricey for what it was um now it's much more appropriately priced because it only comes with two warbands and then you just buy the ones you want um which i find to be a much better business model so if you have it uh please consider checking that game out it's on sale a lot um they do a ton of sales and the certain specific warbands also go on sale a lot of the time all the warbands have unique skins um tons of skins i think at minimum every warband has like six different color schemes um that you can uh try out and it's just a really fun tactical game um that's got a lot of really interesting elements to it it's like a, a tile based tactics game where you're trying to capture objectives kill the enemy player uh while also dealing with drawing cards from uh decks and there's dice rolling as well so it's got a lot of different elements and it's a really fun strategy game i literally play it every day for about one to two hours but uh yeah yeah it's a it's a great game and like you said it's it's the tabletop just one-to-one translated with a few bet uh, extra quality of life changes uh it is really really good show the cat That's one. Uh, that's Ninja. I can't pick him up unless you want to see me bleed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, actually, I think this is the first time anyone stream has actually seen Ninja. No, he doesn't want it today. He just, he just <laughs> knows Lorebeards is that important. See, now we've, we've both got our pet on stream sitting in the exact spot. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and for anyone, again, it was Warhammer Underworlds was that game. Uh, hmm. So, um any other games that you want to discuss i mean uh uh i i think just kind of doing one each is good for now we can always uh, approach this subject another day um, yeah but uh before we move on to the next topic uh i do actually uh, have something kind of cool to show you guys and i'll have more links about it so i'm gonna have it up on my stream for a minute um but i've got these screenshots that you may note are from a very popular game called minecraft uh unless you're like really old or not with it i've never played minecraft but i know what it is (laughs) and i was recently contacted by uh, a group that is trying to totally not super ambitiously (laughs) but uh uh and what 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 i actually mean is super ambitiously recreate the warhammer fantasy world in minecraft which is just ludicrous um, they've already, uh, made quite a bit of progress, I think, on Altdorf, uh, and a couple of other cities. Uh, apparently it's going really well, but they kind of wanted me to put the word out for anyone that's interested in joining their community. Uh, it's open to anyone that wants to join in. Um, I will, uh, have the appropriate links, um, so that you can join their Discord if you want, or find uh a way to hop into that and help if you're really into minecraft and you want to be a part of that community uh, they're literally accepting anyone and everyone that wants to help um so i uh, just wanted to give them a shout out and uh, i will have all the links for that after the stream on 
uh, my Twitter, and I'm sure Nathan will retweet it um, so that anyone that wants to be a part of that can join it. And um, yeah, so that should be super fun. I mean, it's very ambitious. Are they trying to do like one for one or? Uh, I believe it is one for one. Um, Jeez. And to my understanding, they've already made at least a couple major cities. Um, so they didn't even reach out to me until they had made some significant process a uh, progress. And uh, I, I, I intend to take a tour of it. I, I don't think I'm going to be in their building, but I would certainly love to walk around and uh, see insane. it. But um, that is insane. Yeah, it is insane. It is absolutely insane. When they sent it to me, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's a super ambitious idea, but that's kind of crazy. And they're like, oh yeah, we've already made like, here's some screenshots. It was like, <laughs> oh my god uh but i mean there are people that have built like you know middle earth and harry potter and all that other stuff one-to-one -one already i've seen the middle earth one it's uh it's beautiful <laughs> yeah. oh, there's the oh, other cat there's another cat they're most See, this one i can show <laughs> this, this is getting out show. of hand now there's two of them <laughs> this one is the nice one he he does okay. seem he does seem completely uncaring about his circumstances. <laughs> oh yeah, I can literally put him around my neck, and he'll literally be very happy there. Won't you? Awesome. Uh good. So it's officially a pet stream. All the pets have. Oh, you awake? <laughs> Chloe's like, I can hear him talking about me. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah. Um, that should be, uh, really fun and interesting, uh, to see how that develops in the future. And if we get any major updates, uh, I'll bring them up somewhere. All right. It is now time for everyone's favorite, whatever subject. Uh, we've got a who would win discussion, uh, another one for this week. And this one I saw mentioned, uh, I think on, uh, my discord and I was like, oh, that would actually look super duper fun. So we're going to start with today's Who Would Win episode, which is going to be Tarux, the Brass Bull, the most one of the most recent new characters added to War Warhammer, versus Grimgore Ironhide, uh, the the dead artist black orc we've ever seen. So um, pretty interesting matchup here, where you mm -hmm. have these two insanely heavily armored characters. Um, both wielding, uh, wep uh, you like large weapons, Grim uh, Grimgore with his big two-handed axe, Gitsnick, and, uh, he of course has his, um, what, god, I'm drawing a blank, what is this stupid armor called, is it the, um, uh, it's not the blood rod armor, is it? No, it's the, yeah. I can't remember what his armor's called, off the top of my head, but, um, uh, it is very, very tough and yeah. uh, adds to his already absurd toughness as an orc. Going up against Tarks the Brass Bull, who, of course, has his uh, his twin axes that are uh, uh, nasty, nasty pieces of work. Big flaming axes, blessed from corn, and he's got a body made out of brass, which makes him functionally invincible unless he gets uh, just absolutely pulverized by something. Um, and even then we're not, oh, it's blood forged armor. Oh, thank you, Chad. I was close. I was close. <laughs> I used too fancy of a word. That was my fault. Um, so, uh, Nathan, what, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Like what, what kind of comes to mind when you're thinking of these two Titans of melee going up against each other? 
I'm thinking uh, the immovable force meets the unstoppable object in a sense, you know, like uh, yeah, except for they're almost kind of both immovable forces and unstoppable objects at the same time. <laughs> yeah, like both are really, really powerful fighters. This might be tough because, like, is this pre or post blessing for Torox? Uh, post. So, so we're we're gonna use Torox as you know the the character would appear in like uh, uh you know as Tarox the brass bull so this is Tarox with his brass body you know he does still have the big glaring weak spot on his neck um, right which is traditionally the only way to kill him um mm. but you know it kind of comes down to you you know it if if you if you think grimgore's strong enough to pierce it you know that's an argument uh kind of what, what are your thoughts on kind of like the strengths and weaknesses they'd be bringing to the party maybe we should start there well, Torx doesn't traditionally tire now ever since he got turned into brass, so he would have the benefit of that. Grimgore, on the other hand, likes a good fight, so he's stubborn as hell, and he'll he'll stay there as much as he has to. I don't think there's really any time in law where he's had to retreat. The only time Grimgore was forced to retreat is when his army abandoned him, uh, when he yeah. fought against... Um... He fought Archeon's lieutenant, um, or his uh, Archeon's herald, um, whose name starts with a V, Vardek Krom. Um, so right. Vardek Krom was able to kind of like duel Grimgore to a standstill, but by duel to a standstill, we we quite uh, it, it we more accurately mean that he was able to essentially hold Grimgore in place for like hours, <laughs> just like not getting killed. He couldn't hurt Grimgore, but he was just mm. not allowing Grimgore to kill him until his army routed Grimgore's army, um, because obviously orcs and goblins are a little prone to um, inferior tactics, especially because Grimgore himself is not much of a tactician. And uh, Grimgore soon found himself alone against a gigantic army of warriors of chaos and was like, all right, I gotta go. <laughs> but even then, they weren't able to kill him or capture him. He just fought his way free. Um, I think Vardek Krom realized that Grimgore was not Killing Grimgore was not really in the cards. Just getting Grimgore out of the way <laughs> was yeah. the best case scenario. I don't know, man, because uh, out of the two, right, I really like Grimgore. I think he's just hilariously stupid that it kind of works. And I think that he could, even he could figure out there's a weak spot. So I, I will say that as far as strengths and weaknesses go for both of the characters, um, you know, they're both super duper tough. You know, Grimgore's um, Bloodforged armor is extremely durable. There are mm -hmm. very few cases of it being penetrated. They do exist, but, um, and th there are, you know, I, I think Tarx's axes would be more than capable of cutting through it and dealing Grimgore mm -hmm. some damage. But even once you get through his armor, he's still literally the biggest, baddest black orc there is. Uh, yeah. And he's tough. He can take damage. Um, mm -hmm. While on the other hand, Tarx is completely made out of brass. And it's God-blessed brass. It's not like our brass. It's something different. But um, whether or not Grimgore's axe gets that could penetrate it, that kind of depends on your interpretations. I personally don't think Gitsnake would be able to chop through Tarux's flesh. However, um, when it comes to strength and weaknesses, the thing that Grimgore has that a lot of people forget is that Grimgore is fast. He's like mm. freakishly fast. Um, which a lot of people don't 
think about because it's not something you would associate looking at him, right? He just yeah. kind of looks like he's this big brawler. But the thing, one of the things that Grimgore has going for him is that Gitsnick is not a orcs and goblins made weapon. It's a chaos dwarf weapon that Grimgore mm -hmm. improved <laughs> with, uh, with um, orc and goblin kind of uh, appearance. And the thing that it does is it allows Grimgore to attack so fast that it is nearly impossible for like a human to follow the weapon with their eyes because it's that quick. Um, Tarek's, on the other hand, his, um, I think they're the rune etched axes or something like that, uh, yeah. are, there's two of them, which is, you know, great. And they are on fire, which is also great. And they are good for just cleaving through pretty much anything that gets in his way. But I, I, I think it kind of comes down to, uh, would Grimgore be smart enough to eventually figure out that there's this giant, not giant, but noticeable, uh, if, if, so, um, when it comes to talking about the runeforged axis, thank you, chat. Um, <laughs> thank God for chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when, uh, total war Warhammer is the only time we've ever seen Tarux given an official design. Um, yeah. like we, we have black and white artwork of him, but the black and white artwork is just like his head. Um, and like, you could see like his axes because it's that kind of art where he's almost like this in view. Um, so you kind of, it, it kind of comes down to that. If we use total wars version, that wound is pretty noticeable. You know, that, that yeah, yeah. spot on is that, you know, it's literally like a giant flaming hole, which Grimgore would probably be like, I'm going to bury my ax <laughs> right in that spot. Um, um, but, uh, you know, Grimgore also doesn't wear a helmet, but I also don't think that hurts him that much. Uh, I mean, the dude literally headbutts so hard he can destroy the Eye of Shirian with his forehead, which is like one of the most <laughs> powerful artifacts of the Dark Gods. Uh, pretty <laughs> sure Grimgore could headbutt Tarox and Tarox would feel it. So kind of with all that in mind, if you had to call out a winner, if you had to pick a character and you're like, this is the guy that's going to land a killing blow and walk away with it, who, who would you pick? I'd say Grimgore, because if Grimgore can pin down Torox, you know, like, you, you've seen those stereotypical uh, type of uh, Spanish matador art where they hold down the bull by the by the neck and so yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that, you just hold it down and rip the head off, because he is, he's a strong dude. He just needs to stick his fingers into that weak spot and pull. It's kind of like one of those things where you just Whoa, expect hey, hey, it hey, to happen. Hey, this is this is family friendly. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that works, right? I think like he could do it. Like a lot of people don't um, like. There's a big part in Grimgore's law which shows off how fast and how strong he is. Is when he goes uh, near Helpit and uh, Clan Mulder send their forces to them uh, to meet him head on. He's constantly fighting. Like the dude can the dude can keep up with Skaven, right? Oh. Uh, Magnusor is going to be much more sluggish. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, Tarx is definitely not going in there with a speed advantage. Mm. Um, so, and you know, I I think you do have an excellent point in that, like Grimgore has killed a ridiculous number of things when it comes to uh, he has like he's killed vampires. He literally killed so much out of Hell Pit that help it ran out of stuff to throw at him. <laughs> they were just, they didn't have any more rat ogres or help it abominations or anything. They were just like, Oh crap, <laughs> this guy's going to kill us. And he got bored and left. Um, 
you know, you're, you're, you do have a great point in that Grungor does kind of specialize against fighting big monsters um, and has a big history. And uh, But in defense of Tarix, Tarix is kind of well-designed as probably one of the biggest threats to go up against Grimgore. And that you have this character that can only be killed a specific way, who also is a big, mean melee juggernaut. Um, yeah. Blessed by Korn. And the two of them, neither of them are going to get tired. You know, the whole point of Tarix's blessing is that he can't get tired. Because um, that's the original way he died, is he died of exhaustion. And that's why Korn gave him that body of brass as a reward, but it also means that he can't go down that way anymore. Um, so I think you have a great point in that Grimgor could easily walk away with a win as far as, like, he has vastly superior speed. He's not an idiot. Like, he is... when it, he Grimgor is stupid if you want to pick subjects that he would not excel at. But I think when it comes to battle, he actually can be very intelligent uh, as far as, like trying to find a weakness um, to his opponents. But I also don't think that Tarks would necessarily just uh, uh, give him such a good opportunity or a good opening. So I'm going to be contrarian on this opinion. I'm actually going to go for Tarks in the matchup. Hmm. Um, I think that while Grimgor has the capability to land that killing blow and definitely would happen in a number of like hypothetical scenarios where they're fighting, I think Tarks has a much easier time to bring back, uh, bring down Grimgore, and that all he has to do is just kind of keep bringing his axes down uh, over and over and over and uh, just keep landing those hits. And I think Grimgore would be too busy trying to block, and also Tarix does have weight on him. Um, not by much, but I think by enough. So uh, we we have... Um, I, yeah, I think but... I, I, I think that's a great... I think you know it's a good matchup when you could feel confident about either person walking away. Um, I'm actually going to do... I, I'm just curious what my chat's going to say. I'm going to do a quick poll for them. We'll, we'll um, do a poll. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you can just do polls on YouTube side. now, too, so you should do a poll as well. So, can I? Yeah. Uh, I think you just... I don't I don't know how to do it, though. I haven't, I haven't streamed on YouTube since they added the feature. Um, oh, I'll figure it out. We've got a, a friend in chat just popped up in saying Bretonia is the best. Screw everything else. Our good friend, Chapter Master Valrak. How, 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 tell that, tell, tell, tell Shill Master to get, get the hell out of here. He's too busy shilling for the lady. Lovely to see you, bro. I'm going to try and figure out how to do this, uh, this poll. Oh, I found it. Oh, you found it? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, we could both do a poll. Um, so, uh, I think just for Valrak, we'll have to do a Bretonia character next episode. We will. We, we, def I we definitely I will. Love your sweet face, Valrak. Thank thanks for last night. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, all right, chat pulls up. Uh, I, I'm curious how both of our chats are uh, going to turn that out but yeah like i i think this matchup would be super fun like if there was ever if someone out there like is really good at fan fiction or enjoys writing fan fiction or is an animator or something or even just is an artist i would love to see an artist do the picture you were talking about like grimgore holding tarix by the horns and like a cool. matador fi uh fight that would be super cool looking um, that'd be really really cool yeah if anybody if, if anybody's an artist and wants to take a whack at that we would be uh thrilled to show that uh on stream or something um 
but uh, Ooh, oof, oof. in my chat it is it is it is a landslide i don't know about yours <laughs> yeah grimgore is currently at 70 percent. yeah grimgore is at 75 percent on mine so uh yeah grimgore <laughs> grimgore is coming out heavy and uh in in the arguments uh which you know i think is totally fair um uh, got a lot of gits in the chat yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna blame it. I'm just gonna blame it on a fanboyism. That's that's the only reason. <laughs> I, I mean, he he is a big boy, right? In anything he's done in law, the dude's there. He's got big balls, man. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. So yeah, yeah. I don't even need to see the rest of this poll. All right. So uh, <laughs> Chad has decreed uh, that 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 Grimgor wins by a landslide. So um, all right. So from there. Uh, we, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, move on to our next topic for today. So as always, um, you know, our, I, I wouldn't say that Lorebeards is primarily focused on Total War, but Total War is a significant part of what we do, um, and is a significant part of, uh, the Warhammer community. Um, like even for people that don't play fantasy, people that play Age of Sigmar or even 40k, Total Warhammer is still a significant part of what a lot of people are up to these days. Um, and it is, it's kind of one of the hearts of the community in a lot of way. Um, so mm. we're probably going to talk about it every episode <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but for today, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about are legendary heroes. Uh, yeah. So anyone that has been on my channel uh, knows that I think legendary heroes are easily one of the least are are one of the best features that uh total war has not used nearly enough of um, i thought yeah it, it it is something that creative assembly has kind of fought us on <laughs> since the beginning um which i don't know why but uh the, you know they are slowly getting better about it you know i i would say that for me personally one of the biggest and only major disappointments with the last dlc and free lc was that there were no legendary heroes um, yeah, which was a huge disappointment and um, a, a massive mark against it. And, you know, um, I, I, it really feels like one of those things that every time there is a major content drop, there needs to be some kind of legendary hero included within it. Um, yeah, especially because we we went practically to almost basically 1.5 games with virtually zero legendary heroes. Um you know, the one exception being Krell, who wasn't a real legendary hero. He's a, he's a summon, um, which, yeah. which works for him, but is also a controversial um, thing within the community. Yeah. So for today, we're going to talk about legendary heroes and that me and Nathan are both going to pick a single character from um, the lore or the tabletop or whatever, and talk about why we would want them implemented as the next Oh yeah, the Green Knight too. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Green Knight. Oh, and, and Henry the Massif. He's he's one, isn't he? Ah, kinda. Yeah, not not to the same extent as the others, but we'll we'll give him we'll give him half points. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so uh, Nathan, if you'll start us off, if you could pick any one character, and Ooh. we will limit it to races that are available in Total War One and Two. So we're gonna leave out Kislev, Cathay, and all those guys. Um. Right. So if you had to pick a single character to bring in as a legendary hero uh like let's say you could have them fully developed to your satisfaction by tomorrow who would you bring in and what would you want their like role to be like what what would be their major features 
right, people are going to hate me for this because it's going to be a vampire uh, and it's another Von Karstein. <laughs> but I really want Conrad, man. I love the Mad Dog of Sylvania, right? Like he's he's awesome. He, he's a terrifying, absolutely terrifying guy in the in the law. Like he's essentially a rabid dog, and. You know, he he always had a cool model. Um, it's just one of those characters which I think would have really done well for a legendary hero slot because the dude is just vicious. And, you know, considering the fact that Creative Assembly do have a Von Karstein bias. I know. <laughs> you say that like Gates Workshop doesn't have a Von Karstein bias. <laughs> oh, no, 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 definitely, definitely. But like he he's a cool character. It would have been cool to have something like a like a blood meter where he just kind of like what Corn has been described to have in Game Three, where the more damage you do, the stronger you get in a sense. And oh, that would be cool. Exactly. Like just imagine just throwing him into a horde of Skaven and just like letting him do his thing. You know. Yeah, I, I actually don't. I actually think that would work really really well for him and like be fairly balanced as well. Of the idea of like. Okay, you throw Conrad into combat. He starts blundering. You know, for anyone that played tabletop in um, the earlier editions, the vampire count, the blender vampire is a staple. Like, for yeah. multiple editions, <laughs> it was a thing. Um, like, I, I don't know about prior to 6th edition, but like 6th edition through 8th edition, the blender vampire was always a thing. It's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> bullshit model with bullshit rules. But, um,. Totally broken design, but um, I, I think that would be awesome. Just having Conrad, like, you throw him into combat, and he literally just starts killing, and for every kill he gets, you know, he gets, like, a a, a bonus to his uh, weapon strength. Um, that would just be so fun. Like, yeah, so, I would love that character. Yeah, and if you're playing against him, you know, you just got to make sure that he's either fighting elite stuff, so he's taking significant damage for the amount of kills he's getting, or just keep him out of combat, or try and kill him early, so he doesn't, yeah. you know, he doesn't uh, snowball. Are there any? Are there any other like features you think would be good for him, either like on the campaign map or something else you think he'd do in battle? Uh, I'd say probably a little boost to Blood Knights because you kind of had them in some elite units. Uh, campaign wise, I think that he should give a negative in some way because obviously this dude kills pretty much anything that's around him so i'd say increased a little bit increased upkeep to justify the fact that you're bringing someone who's terrifyingly strong so increased upkeep to blood knights i'd say too make them stronger because they have to be strong to be near him because he'll turn around and attack them but also increase their upkeep because you want to make sure that they are the best of the best to be around him and be able to hold him back in a sense. You know, kind of like when you see those movies where they bring in this absolute frothing monster and they've got him chained up and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, maybe um, maybe uh, that you could do something like uh, maybe give him the, the debuff of Rampage. You know, yes. Where if he, if he gets... In, in, instead, of, instead of maybe like um, coming with like a genuine penalty... Um, towards allies maybe you could just make it where he's got you know you have the system of if he gets too low on health he'll just he just goes and you know um which we know you know a lot of people hate rampage but it is it, it is a very um appropriate mechanic and maybe there could be something in his skill tree like when he hits like level 20 or something where you could spend a skill point and kind of get him under control um 
but um, you know that that could be yeah that that could be really fun of having that um um that that notable debuff where Hmm. um he does that you know and maybe there could be something like uh you know for your idea there could be something like how how quick head taker has penalties for like gray seers maybe conrad could have like a penalty for other vampire heroes because he like threatens them um, heroes or spellcasters because he hates uh necromancers doesn't he no he uh, like conrad's thing was that he he needed the necromancers so like right. they were the only people he was nice to <laughs> because he was like he was so desperate to keep them around because conrad can't use magic um, yeah yeah which yeah. which is why i think he works as a legendary hero but he does not work as a legendary lord because yeah. a vampire count lord without magic would just be garbage there's literally no way around it um but um yeah, I maybe it could be like he like lowers the experience rate or increases the upkeep for vampire heroes in his army, but maybe improves the experience or buffs like a necromancer uh heroes or a master necromancer lord that could be really funny. Yeah. Um, you know, it wouldn't be a huge deal, but it could be it could be like an amusing because Yes, yeah, yeah, Conrad did kill a ton of vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, God, God, I mean, Conrad <laughs> literally ripped one of his own siblings limb from limb, literally, because <laughs> he's just that much of an ass. Um, he, he's a great character. Oh, he's honestly. great. Like, yeah. I, and plus, his his design is so iconic. Like, it, it, plus, if they put him in the game, if he doesn't have an animation where he licks his sword, I would want an immediate refund. Um, oh yeah, because he's got that thing like that. Yeah, he's got that iconic pose where he's like drinking the blood mm-hmm. off of his sword, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree that 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 would be super duper fun and would be mm. such a, a such a cool way to really further incentivize, um, like just really fun mechanics. And you know, they could even have it where maybe if you play as Vlad, you get Conrad immediately. You know, at the start of the game. Uh, yes. If you, if you play as any of the other characters, maybe you like gotta spend a certain amount of blood kisses to unlock him or something. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that just sounds awesome. Yeah. No, I I absolutely agree. Conrad is definitely like in my top five. Uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I think because he's just such a cool character and fits that fits that like legendary hero niche so well, um, mm-hmm. better than almost anybody else. Um, my pick though, I actually would have to go just cause, just cause his design is one of my favorite designs in Warhammer fantasy or any fantasy universe ever. Uh, I, I have to go with Chalkox the Eternity Warden. Um, Chalkox is just such a, a brilliant, beautiful design of just this hulking Saurus with this giant Stegodon helmet. So he almost looks like he's almost a different species of lizard man because he's got this huge helmet with horns on it. And he's like the ultimate bodyguard. Like he is literally the best bodyguard in all of Warhammer Fantasy bar none. Who's been around for thousands of years. Carries this giant hulking two-handed mace made out of, you know, meteors and shit. And I would love to see him implemented as just like just a god tier bodyguard where you have this character who has like instead of just having the guardian aura, he could have like the prime guardian aura. So maybe instead of like I think I think guardians like a 15 or 20 percent physical resistance, maybe for him, it's like a 15 or 20 percent ward save where he's just like just, just stupid and you like you need to kill him 
or get him away from other characters in order to um um bust him up um and just Ew. have it where he has like really cool abilities i think the uh, another thing would be making sure that his helmet um the the helm of the prime guardian um so right now in Total Warhammer, Lizardmen have something, Asaurus have something called predatory senses, which means that they have a larger detection range um, for like stealth units. Um, for Chalkox, I would have him also have a slightly larger range, but his is like guaranteed. So even if uh, Skaven decide to use like smoke bombs or something, something that traditionally makes them unspottable, Chalkox just ignores the unspottable rule if you're within range of his detection. So he's like really, really good. Like if someone decides to run Skeshen, uh, Skeshen, uh, Skaven Clan Eshen or something, and they've got like death runners, Chalkox at mm. like a, a hundred or 200 meters is just like, boom, I see you. It's <laughs> just like, I know you're there. Um, <clears throat> I think that would be super cool. Mm. And, I do like the character. Yeah. And the other thing I would really like for him is, um, so in tabletop, he has this, he had this super annoying rule because he had a key to the eternity chamber, which is like the key to like where the slaughter at their most vulnerable and he would watch over them. And uh, the way it worked in tabletop that was super annoying for people is that if he got into a duel with a character, he would make them always strike last. So they fought at the same time as him and he would, he would disable their magic weapons. Remember that. Which was just brutal. So what mm. I would do for Chalkox is give him a rule where, like, as a passive for his key, whenever he hits someone, he he resets, he adds, like, five or ten seconds to their ability recharge. So, like, even if they have a character who has, like, really cool, like, combat abilities, every time Chalkox smacks them, he just adds on, like, five seconds. So they just Ouch. can't use their abilities as long as Chalkox is hitting them. Um but like and if that sounds super overpowered it's it's a little nasty but the the trick for chalkox i think would to make him very slow in that yeah. he, he can't take any mounts he can only walk around on foot and he's moving mm. saurus speed the entire time maybe even make him a little bit slower <laughs> because he's more worried about like guarding a slon um mm. than he is about doing anything else and of course the starstone mace you just you know let him you know have really high ap and maybe give it some kind of bonus but uh correct me if i'm wrong uh doesn't the pack master uh or was it the pack master or the chieftain have some special thing when near queek was it pack master was it the chieftain or something what do you Not mean the by, yeah. uh, what do you mean the, by special thing like increases or am i thinking of sfo you're probably thinking uh, of sfo i i probably am yeah but there was this thing uh, where you could get a Skaven Chieftain, uh, which increases up the capabilities of Queek. So maybe if Chakax is in with an army of in, in the same army as a Slan, the Slan gets a better ward save. Yeah, kind of like he's taking the damage. Yeah, and that I mean that could work too, or have it as a passive. I I think that that type of skill exists in the game on a skill sheet. Um, hmm. But uh, that, that's definitely something that could be uh, uh, done a bit is have um, like maybe Chalkhouse has a skill you can unlock or he just has like a campaign passive 
where that way it's not affecting like multiplayer per se where he joins an army that has a whatever the lord is but like especially if it's a slon he just gives them like a flat ward save for just being in the army uh but that yeah. would that would definitely have to be um that would definitely have to be a uh, uh, campaign only uh versus um um just because I could see that being absolutely insane. <laughs> Especially mm. with, like, could you imagine you, like, throw him in an army with Lord Vazamundi on Slack, and he's like, ah, <laughs> flat, flat ward save just for being here. Um, I, I think uh, uh, you would definitely want it to be, like, tied to how close Chalkox is. Like, mm. um, something that isn't um, um, super far away. But, um, uh, so, yeah uh i i i think i but i think any of those and of course there are so many characters that would be wonderful to see um brought into the game where you know like with beastman a lot of people wanted to see moonclaw um moonclaw has definitely become a fan favorite which i am really pleased about and i hope that means he'll you know eventually make it in someday um there are other super popular characters like a lot of people want to see um ludwig schwartzhelm for the empire especially because he would yes. bring in, like but only if they gave him a banner. They can't pull the yeah. bullshit they did with Rapunz. I'm still salty about what they did to Rapunz, where yeah, she doesn't she doesn't get to actually carry her banner. But he um, needs that massive banner. Uh, I mean, there's a mod for Rapunz, which is really good, which adds the banner. Yeah, but I, you know, I just I, I want to see it <laughs> just be in the main yeah. game. Like for Rapunz, yeah. I wouldn't even be mad if Creative Assembly just made it where she has like a back banner, so like she just has a pole behind her that or like especially when she's on her horse that has the banner but like the fact that she doesn't have a banner on her model is absolutely criminal <laughs> mm. but um um yeah so uh i i think is there anything else you wanted to add as far as like legendary heroes or thoughts on that i mean all i really uh all i really want to say is i hope that creative assembly do expand upon that because i think they did it really well in the twisted in the twilight yeah twisted i think twisted in the twilight was the best Lord Pack, period. Yeah, like, it was just so good. And I was like, when, when it came to Silence of the Fury, I was, like, really hoping, it's like, because we obviously, we, we got told the name when they announced it in Skulls, and we're like, uh, maybe there's going to be a legendary hero. We only got half the trailer. Maybe they're going to show something. And then, no. It's like, oh, they could have brought in, like, Mooncore, like you said, or, you know, someone like Chakax, or... But yeah, I guess I I, I guess it's probably because it's the late late lifespan of Warhammer Two, and they want to bother with like they want to focus on Warhammer Three, so they don't want to do that. Plus, they they did spoil us with units. Let's be honest. Like yeah, and I you know and I I, I you know it's only fair to say that the the dwarfs also ate a significant amount of the development time and budget and stuff. Like because we didn't get a legendary hero, but we did get like a legendary lord for another race. <laughs> plus, just exactly. like a complete like two reworks because we got a dwarf rework and a beastman rework yeah like uh some people did complain in my community and i told them like look look we got spoiled by units because we were all expecting the gorgon but i don't think everyone was expecting the gorgon and the jabba's life and the koto and this and that you know it was it was a good pack it was a really good dlc yeah it it, it like it was if you compare it against other lord packs it it definitely is one of the better ones um it, it obviously did have a couple of issues but yeah. you know it's also creative assembly and there's always issues <laughs> that's just this is the way it is but yeah. um yeah so um and then we have uh one last thing on the agenda 
which is something that I think everyone is super crazy excited about. And we are both definitely included in that. And it's something we're going to discuss a bit today as kind of the, the, the final uh, topic for today, uh, depending on time. And that is that it's September. It is September 3rd, which means that we are officially in Cathay Month. Uh, Creative Assembly already confirmed last month that sometime this month, the month of September, Creative Assembly is going to be revealing Cathay, um, as well as numerous new gameplay features. Um, so we're going to spend a bit today talking about our thoughts as far as like what we hope for, what we expect, and all of those kinds of things. So Nathan, what 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 are kind of your what are what are your starting thoughts as far as that Cathay is literally just around a corner? I mean, it could be next week for all we know. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited because uh, we have to think about it this way, especially as uh, you and uh, you and myself and a lot of people watching the stream were old guard in terms of Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, we had a lot of little tidbits of lore coming in every now and then about Cafe, mostly in the RPG series, but we've not seen much. And a lot of us are, have always been asking for this. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to be uh, represented. Are they going to follow a specific dynasty pattern from China? Because obviously they're going to have to keep the real world stuff into it because then it wouldn't be Warhammer uh, if it wasn't. I I'm curious. I'm just... This is a near enough a blank slate and gw are involved so what are we gonna see like i'm expecting really cool fantastical stuff and maybe i'm setting myself up for disappointment but i want to see old law stuff which we may or may not see like terracotta warriors uh, jade vampires you know it's it, it's this re weird thing where i am just sitting here waiting <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree on a lot of those points. You know, it's kind of, it's super weird because this is going to be literally the first time that we've ever headed into a race where we, we got nothing. <laughs> like, we, we, um, we have no idea what to expect. You know, even for the Vampire Coast, we had most of the roster already well established. Um, yeah. And even the things they added were just things, a lot of, the, you know, the vast majority of it was just from the Monstrous Arcanum and stuff like that. There wasn't a lot yeah. of like genuinely new things. Um, this is the first time ever for Total War Warhammer where we are heading into a scenario where anything is possible and yeah. we literally have nothing to draw on other than just Chinese history. Um, and the idea of like how Warhammer interprets ancient history. Um, mm -hmm which is super exciting, but I, I would also agree kind of nerve wracking at the same time, because that also leaves like a lot of room for expectations not to be met. Um, compared exactly. to compared to other things, you know, like when it's like, Oh, lizardmen are coming out. Well, okay. I know what lizardmen means. Mm. Um, Cathay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then it's like, we, we know that we know there's going to be dragons. For like we know for a fact, like they've they've already kind of almost called it. Uh, I forget what the the phrasing they used, but when they put out um uh, a forum post about it, you know they basically said like, oh everyone they're known for dragons, so like we're you know we're definitely gonna see those serpentine Eastern style dragons, um, but we really don't know a lot 
besides that, you know, I, I agree that Terracotta Warriors, I feel, is like a guarantee, but mm. they might not be there, you know, <laughs> which would be weird. Um, exactly. So, uh, like, it, it's kind of this, it's kind of this bizarre scenario for us where, you know, obviously the, the best thing we can say and recommend to anyone is have no expectations, but that's, that's pretty hard for most people and kind of, kind of spoils the fun of hype where, you know, a lot of the, the fun is trying to guess what's going to be, um, uh, hmm. going to be coming out and, um, the, it, it's going to be interesting because Cathay is one of the only non-chaos human factions that has the opportunity to really be this really crazy thing of men and monsters mm -hmm. you know where one of the big things about bretonia and the empires they have no monsters um outside of like the big lords you know where it's like oh we have like hippogriffs and griffins <laughs> you know and those are only for lords um they're not like traditional units um, well, at least until Bretonia got um, royal writers and uh, later on. But yeah, uh, for Cathay, like you have all these crazy opportunities of, uh, you know, we know there's going to be a lot of dragons, um, though. Who knows what a lot is? It could just be they're like, OK, there is a single dragon type, you know, um, or maybe there's going to be multiple dragon types. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be fascinating to see where they go with it. And you're, and you're right in that one of the other things that I think, I, I think it's probably unfortunately just going to lead to people being disappointed is that because Cathay is so mysterious and so old, there's a lot of like almost what I would call sub factions within Cathay that people want to see represented in some way, but I just, just, just struggle to see represented well. And like a lot of people are like, oh, I want to see like Zinchian cults. But with Cathay trying kind of being like one of the order factions in the game seems very unlikely. Or you have like people like, oh, I want like the, the monkey beastmen, um, which is possible, uh, you know, with like Sun Wukong and stuff. But we don't know. We don't know how that would be represented. Um, whether it's like, would Sun Wukong be like just a beastman <laughs> or would he be like... Would he be Zinchian in influence, or would he be like a genuine Cathay type creature? Yeah, um, like just more, like true neutral. Yeah, like kind of kind of a more natural creature that just kind of just lives around there, um, and mm. is like gotten very powerful on his own. Um, you know, a lot of people like the concept of the Jade Vampires. Jade Vampires have become a very popular um, uh, sub kind of like sub faction within recent times. But when you look at Jade Vampires, it's like, well, how would that you know work? Are are Jade Vampires meant to be vampire counts that live in Cathay <laughs> or are they, are they like units that people want Cathay to have access to, um, which would be very different or are people wanting them to be like vampire counts, but with unique designs. So like basically be like another vampire coast situation. Um, there's a lot of questions up in the air. And one thing you brought up earlier that I absolutely agree with is I think one of the biggest things it depends on is what dynasties are they going to be looking at? Where, yeah. like, if you want to... Like, the thing about Warhammer is that Warhammer occupies kind of a weird space and that even when a race or culture is in, is interpreted to be brought into Warhammer, um, they don't... They very rarely pull from, like, a single-time history. Um, yeah. Often it's, like, kind of a mix where you have a lot of, you know, 
just the idea that you have the Empire and Bretonia both existing as neighbors, <laughs> despite their massive differences in technology, um, mm-hmm. uh, like already that throws people for a loop uh, that maybe are not used to the Warhammer world. Where you know, like I think some of the most popular lore questions tend to be stuff like, "Why don't you know? Why don't Norska or Bretonia use guns when guns are so good?" And it's like, well. The actual answer is different than the lore answer. Like the lore answer is just kind of some hand wavy bullshit, but like the 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 actual answer is that like they just don't want that theme. Uh, they didn't want yeah. all the armies to be the same because in our world, you know, the idea is that if someone has a form of technology, generally everyone's gonna try and catch up to that form of technology and use it, so that yeah. everyone's on the same level play uh playing field. In fantasy, that's a really boring way to handle things. Um, yeah if everybody has guns then there's nothing really different about them um mm. but uh, uh at least from like a kind of a, a fantastical perspective obviously like i, I don't want to like piss off any like historical fans in the community that like really because i know there are people that just like love all the different kinds of like tanks and stuff from world war one or what have you no but you make a lot of sense there because obviously then you have to take into effect like you said uh when it comes to Bretonia and the Empire, the Empire has a lot of gunpowder and stuff like that, but Bretonia has the Blessing of the Lady, which made them very, very strong in melee combat. They would take an unnatural amount of damage before they would actually go down. It's what kind of leveled them, in a way. Yeah, and and like, and the thing with Cathay is, like, you've got this, like, China is, like, one of the oldest, like, empires ever that and it's very well documented for how old it is yeah um, as opposed to many other empires in humanity's history where like records either weren't kept or were destroyed at various points mm-hmm. like china has done a fairly good job of keeping a lot of the information around um and so there's this impossible amount of stuff to draw on of like all these different emperors and all these different dynasties and all these different inventions were like okay you know, like even Cathay and Warhammer Fantasy, depending on the author who was writing them, because maybe they make a cameo appearance in like a novel for Black Library. So the author like did some quick research on China to like figure out how he wants to write Cathay or they show up briefly in like the Monstrous Arcana or uh, the Tarmacon, which the Tarmacon interpretation has a lot of problems because it seems like the author based them off Japan instead of China for some reason, <laughs> um, which I, I don't know why he did that, but he did. Um, so it's, it's this whole thing of like, um, there are so many exciting things to see, but I think especially as Westerners, um, like, I don't know about you, but my, my knowledge about China is like, not, <laughs> not great. <laughs> Like I I, uh, I I play a lot of uh, games which are kind of fantastical, rooted in China's history, but obviously it's like it's very fantastical, like uh, Dynasty Warriors stuff like that. I really enjoy those games because uh, I, I like the theme. Uh, I, I really enjoy Free Kingdoms. It's actually one of my most played games. Um, so like I I like it, but I'm not too well versed. Keep in mind, I'm European and I barely know any history of Europe or the United Kingdom. I know Gibraltar and that's it. And even then, it's because we're a 300 year old country. <laughs> so there's not much. So, yeah, so we're, we're basically in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but like, we do know, and this is obviously uh, subject to change because we don't know if they're going to change that, but we know some law on Cafe where, like, say, 
the law always puts them as the strongest human nation. They have a lot of gunpowder. They have a celestial form of magic, which may or may not be something different to the law of heavens. Right. Um, but and I think that we're going to get a new law. I think we're going to get like celestial magic in a I, sense. I, yeah, I, I think that that is totally possible. Um, that mm. celestial magic could be interpreted as a unique lore. Um, kind of mm. like how with Kislev, we've had this new lore of storms, which mm-hmm. the lore of storms is basically just the lore of heavens, but with more iciness involved. Um, yeah. So that's certainly possible. But, you know, for all we know, it could be that like, oh, they get the lore of heavens and they're really good out of it. And then and then there's the lore of Jade or something, um, mm. you know, that could be distinctly possible. Um, yeah. Or maybe celestial magic is has just a very different interpretation of lore of heavens, or is more hyper focused mm. on like just the stars. Um, but that's uh, not bad. Yeah. No, like I absolutely agree that like, and going back to what you said with gunpowder, how much gunpowder should we expect? You know, is it going to mm-hmm. be like the Empire where they have war machines and handguns and riders with guns, or are they going to take like a? Oh no, no, there's like. Uh, maybe an elite unit with guns and that's it and like then they have a more bretonian relationship where they rely on more like mystical means of warfare um uh so you know it's it's very difficult to predict from what i know and it's very limited of chinese history like these guys were masters of gunpowder so maybe a little stronger maybe we're we're supposed to expect like uh really really powerful gun lines like just insanely good and loads of artillery fire it's it's very strange because obviously we're going through if we go by all the cafe and law we actually have that's what not even a full page maybe (laughs) some in that ballpark yeah so it's insane how Literally, it can be so different to what we're all imagining. We can all be thinking completely different things. Like some people could be thinking Han Dynasty, some people could be thinking Ming, uh, and maybe it's just an amalgamation of all of them, just getting the best parts. You know, it's like, oh, this would work really well with that. You know? Yeah, I mean, because you're you're exactly right. Because like, I'm sure there's if you put like just like me in a room with another person, you know, when I think Cathay. I tend to think more like there are lots of infantry in like mass size and stuff, but I, mm. in my mind, am not expecting elite infantry. I'm expecting like elite units to be taken up by monsters or like mm. special kinds of mystical stuff, like terracotta soldiers being the elite infantry. Yes. And stuff like yes. That. But like in my mind, when I think Cathay, I don't think gun lines. Like I, for my mind, I think like the most sophisticated uh, gunpowder weapon being like, weaponized fireworks where you have like cannons that shoot like like not kind of like a hellstorm rocket battery but function a little functions a little differently that's what i think but you know someone else might be in the room and they're thinking like hardcore gun lines with like really advanced forms of weaponry um to really take advantage of like cathay having gunpowder a lot longer than the empire has um so like by that logic shouldn't they have more advanced guns which i would counter argue for anyone that wants a counter argument that the dwarfs did have a lot of influence on the empire and taught them a lot of stuff which is why the empire advanced so quickly despite their age um but it's 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 such a it's such a strange um uh thing and you know it's like how many monsters are they gonna have there are tons of monsters in chinese myth I mean, Chinese myth literally has the journey to the West, which is literally just this 
I think it's like one of the longest stories ever written. <laughs> it's like insanely long. And it's literally just like a, a monster of the week type series um, mm. where you have these characters running into some kind of different demon or monster on like a weekly basis as they make this insanely long journey that was written, you know, thousands of years ago, um, which is what gave us like Sun Wukong and all this other stuff or well, gave the West the a lot of that uh, ideology. Um and has inspired a lot of like super famous animes and stuff, you know, like Dragon Ball Z, um, and all this stuff. So it's like, what's going to be the ratio of, cause there's only so much they could do it at once, you know, of like, what's going to be the ratio to, are we going to focus mostly on like Chinese humans, um, to fill up the roster? Or is it going to be like a little bit of humans? And then you have like all these divine, like dragon turtles and, or, or I think they're lion turtles in like the actual Chinese myth. I, f I forget what the, I think they're, I think lion turtles are the big Chinese thing. Um, or like, and cool. you know, like serpentine dragons and all this other crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, we, we've already had some, uh, translated into one of fantasy, like the Kirin and the, uh, it's just trying to remember those names. Cause they're from what second or third edition is a bit tough. Uh, but we've had some stuff. And I love Chinese mythology. I mean, the stuff is so intricate, you know? And it would be really cool to see a healthy mix. Uh, I think design-wise, because let, let's be honest, we can more or less expect this to end up becoming a, um, like a tabletop army for Old World, right? Well, yeah, for, yeah I, would, I would be genuinely shocked if like the like almost the instant Cathay's reveal Games Workshop's not like, by the way, if you want to get yeah. us money, <laughs> we'll be selling plastic versions. Um so I I think they'll go for lots of big monsters just to have like that those centerpiece models that you could base your dioramas on and stuff like that. Because that's what they do for a lot of armies. Yeah, well I mean I mean hell, like for anyone that's seen like Avatar the Last Airbender the 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 giant lion turtle that almost randomly shows up at the end of the show um like i want a warhammer version of that thing like just a terrifying giant like what a horrifying monster in, in like in your in your mind right a, a giant lion turtle like a big predator that has the toughness of a giant turtle monster that is like so large it has like trees and stuff growing out of the the turtle shell on its back, you know, that, that, that just sounds super awesome to me. Um, mm. and of course I think, I think anybody, anybody in their right mind, um, is excited for Eastern dragons, um, celestial oh, yeah. dragons. Um, Damn right. You know, good. They, they have, they have, you know, such a iconic legendary design that yeah. so many different fantasy universes pull on, um, where, especially because, you have this whole philosophy of that, uh, which I'm 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 curious if they're gonna bring it into Warhammer, where so the the dragons of the East in our history tend to be much more benevolent, um, and are more like guardian spirits, um, or like uh, spirits of the river and all this stuff, as opposed to dragons of the West, which were more considered like destructive forces, or like forces of evil, or like um, hell and stuff like that, um. So I, I, I'm really curious to see what, what they're going to do with those. I, um, 
my my main concern uh regarding design and so on is it has to look and feel like warhammer um because the kids left stuff looks good uh but that's they had a basis to go on there, right? That there's no basis for cafe, and for me, it's like oh, it needs to be Warhammer Fantasy. It can't look too over the top, or else it's not Warhammer Fantasy, you know? No, I, I would I would almost argue that it's the opposite problem. Where like to be Warhammer fam, Warhammer Fantasy, it has to be too over the top. <laughs> it can't be too grounded. <laughs> but what? Well, I mean, like, uh, if we look at the Empire, you know, it's nice and grounded. You, even the Skaven, in a sense, are grounded when you compare it to, say, for example, the Stormcast or the uh, Caradon oh, Overlords yes. and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I see what you mean on that. And the, the, yeah. yeah, they're, they're <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. There's almost this weird sweet spot uh, which Warhammer sits in, which I, I honestly think is the true charm of Warhammer, where it mm. sits in this awkward middle ground between historical which um is is it's too grounded and i find boring we're like you know if you're if you're dealing with someone with that's like like a really historical person literally just take any historical nerd on the internet put them in a room with warhammer stuff and watch them be like uh, um actually uh that type of gun would not work this way uh because it's like i don't care yeah. <laughs> I, it looks cool i don't give a shit <laughs> like i'm just let me let me enjoy myself sit down shut up um you know <laughs> Uh, where, but you're right in that they can't go too far the other way. Rage of Sigmar, you have this these like completely just batshit balls to the wall designs that are mm-hmm. so over the top that they just don't. They're, they're too grandiose. Yeah, um, and it's like I, I'm here to play a a augmented version of history, not to play fantasy space opera. <laughs> you know exactly um, that yeah exactly that yeah no I, I i absolutely agree um and uh i i i do i do have faith that um we will be fine because you know i'll say i think if games workshop had been designing it by themselves they would have jumped the shark um if they were making cathay by themselves i do not think they would have done appropriate research i don't think they would have tried to be historically appropriate and i think they would have completely jumped the shark with cathay um i think because total war is designed is in uh heavily involved and is um like one of the major you know pushing forces to, uh, to make the faction i think it will be appropriately grounded um mm. and will be what we want it to be uh, it will be a yeah. warhammer faction not an age of sigmar faction in warhammer yeah, exactly. Because uh, especially when we if we look towards the future, um, Cathay being such a clean slate might dictate the future of DLC. Yes, and and that is a discussion we will absolutely have in the future. Uh, probably next episode is talking about other races um, that we want to see, and because this has to be addressed, um, and we'll probably dedicate an entire segment to it next episode. But it, it has to be addressed. Which is that if um, if you're someone that cares a lot about the Warhammer world, like me and Nathan do, one of the biggest flaws of Warhammer Fantasy and something that Cathay directly throws a wrench into, which makes it such a big freaking deal, is that Warhammer Fantasy is immensely overrepresented and dominated dominated by white cultures, um, Western white cultures, um, which is one of the biggest flaws of the universe. 
is that you don't have Araby, you don't have End, you don't have Cathay, you don't have... And that, you know, unfortunately, there's this unfortunate kind of, frankly, um, fair to point out stereotype that a lot of the non-white races in Warhammer tend to be creatures. Um, you know, where your South, Af your South Americans are lizards, your um uh your your mesopotamians or chaos dwarfs <laughs> um and uh a lot of cultures were also combined you know where you have like native americans and south americans so like the entire western hemisphere was fused into the lizardmen <laughs> which eh, has has some issues um and like but there's like there's no representation from african cultures there's no representation from middle eastern cultures there's no rep representation from oriental cultures and it's it's a huge flaw it is it's it's a lot of things it's not only just like uh, that like for example you know I, i'm iberian right so uh genetically i'm uh, spanish mixed with more you know, so I, I want to see like a proper Estallian faction with some different things. Uh, the Baltics uh, were never really represented too well, even though we have the border princes. Uh, it was always just Holy Roman Empire, France mixed with England, and Americans. And it's like, well, if we brought in more human factions, it would bring more people into the game. And uh, I know, like, I, I know a lot of Arabic fans want. Uh, like a lot of Arabic people, a lot of Muslims, they want Arabi yep. because yep. they are, they were actually represented very well in the law. It's just a few idiots misinterpret the law and put it into something else. But like Arabi was always a true neutral faction. They were just doing their own thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of uh, Arabi is, is, and that's like I said, this is probably something that will eat up almost the entirety of next episode because there's just so many things to talk about for each individual one of these. I don't even think it's fair to put like Araby and End in the same episode because there's so many different things that could be well done with them um, and how they uh, be represented. You know, like I, I think that even though I don't think there's enough to justify them as a full standalone race, I think as mercenaries, having the Amazons in would be a huge win of being able to like really uh, have Creative Assembly sit down and do research on like um, a lot of the tribes from South America, many of which are still around and see them interpreted into these badass warrior women of the jungle who are like, if you ever read the lore of the Amazons and I, I don't mean like the goofy white dwarf one, which I'm frankly not a fan of where they're like a futurist. They're like this weird race of superhumans. I mean, just yeah. like the old school, like uh, from the Lustria campaign where they're just these like really badass warrior women who literally like kick the shit out of entire um like mercenary war bands by themselves like ripping them apart with these like crazy um javelins with like horrifying toxins and like they wield these really badass like stone weapons um and like they're just they're they're badasses um and, and, and seeing them like seeing them brought in like the ogres have been brought in i think would be great but yeah. um um but Cathay, what, what I think makes it such a big deal is that Cathay is finally breaking the mold. You know, Cathay mm -hmm. is coming sweeping in and being like, boom, here's a fully represented Oriental race that is going to... Because the thing is, I, I want to make sure this is understood. I'm not just saying this from like some kind of PC perspective of like, oh, well, everyone, you know, deserves representation. I, I think that's a valid argument, but that's not why I'm saying this. I'm saying this because every culture has such amazing badass mythologies that are so unique 
and bringing them into Warhammer so I can make the different mythologies of the world kill each other in badass fights is the most <laughs> glorious thing we can fight for on this earth. <laughs> exactly. And not only that, it's important uh, from a Warhammer family pers uh, perspective. We want more stuff. We want more armies. Like, let's be honest. When it came to uh, 8th edition, you know, we had lost the Dogs of War in 7th. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we've lost, technically we did lose the Chaos Dwarves, but they eventually came back as a Forge World army, and even then they weren't really a full-fledged out one. We want more stuff. We want more armies to play with because it's, it's fun for us. This is a game that we enjoy, and we want to actively have other stuff to, to play around with, to, to try new stuff. And the idea of bringing in more nations is always really cool because there's loads of people who are always actively saying, look, we want Cafe, we want a real Estalia, we want a real Talia, we want a real Vampire Coast, uh, we want yeah. all this and that, you know? Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, you, you could literally spend five minutes on Google and just look up, like, a famous culture, whether it's in India or, um, uh, you know, the, the Arabian um, ballpark, or China, or Japan, or Native Americans and all this stuff, and you'll learn about creatures that'll make you go like, whoa, that sounds super cool, and I would love to see it, like, like just smashing through regiments of Empire soldiers, or, like, you know, fighting wyverns in the sky and all this other crazy bullshit. Uh, like, I, I want to see you know, uh, people wearing, like, all these, like, awesome silks and stuff, riding on camels, charging into battle, backed up by genies, and some kind of, like, powerful wizard lord sitting on a flying carpet and all this crazy bullshit. Exactly! And, you know, and, like, from end, I want to see, like, some kind of, you know, I want to see powerful um, types of weapons riding on guys, riding on uh, elephants that have been geared out with, like, crazy magical augments uh, buffed up by warriors that have like multiple arms to represent like these different divine aspects and all this crazy shit. Like there's just so many cool, there's so many cool things you can do. Um, because fantasy is a breeding ground of letting cultures be interpreted into a most heavy metal way we can think of and just be thrown into a mosh pit and beat the shit out of each other. Exactly. And we have to take into account that the original people, you know, the original people behind the whole fantasy push was Rick Priestley and so on. They're history nerds. They originally wanted a history game. But what they did is they turned that history game into fantasy. They got our world and then decided, you know what, let's just add in dragons. Let's distort the timeline. Let's do this. Let's do that. And it worked out really well. Look, I'm going to be very honest. Like, I love Age of Sigma. I love 40k and stuff like that. But it's not the same thing. Not the, yeah, fantasy. it's not the same. Not the same. Because it had that history element which made you associate with the race and faction that you picked because you're like, oh, which one represents me the most? And you just got more out of it. Yeah, and, that, and that's I think that's the biggest thing when it comes down to it, right? Is that when you're dealing with like, I'm, I'm in the boat with you in that I really enjoy aspects of 40k. Um, it's my least favorite of the universes but I do still appreciate it. And I love Age of Sigmar um, even though Age of Sigmar is, you know, obviously bolstered a bit by its connection to fantasy. But at the end of the day, like, if you take Age of Sigmar by itself, there's nothing that makes it different, really, from any other fantasy universe. Like, that's the thing, right? If you don't have that historical rooting that fantasy does, then there's literally just not a difference between all of your different fantasy universes. At that point, it just becomes, like minor stylistic things or like which one you were introduced to first as a kid 
So you have that bias for it or like who's has better writers, but like what makes Lord of the Rings different from magic, the gathering different from wheel of time, different from age of Sigmar, different from just into infinity, right? What's like doom different from 40 K different from uh starship or starship troopers different from star Trek different from right. You know, they all, but Warhammer just truly stands unique in its yeah. own sphere because of that historical background. Exactly. And, that, and that's why it's so important to us. Um, and, and that's at least why it fits, me and Nathan. Yeah. And that's why it fits so well with total war, because obviously you, it's, it's still the same thing, isn't it? This is why total war Warhammer does so well. Yeah. It's not done in a historical way, but it's done. That's like with fantasy itself being bred off the idea of a historical game. It fit with these games so well. And if we're going to start seeing more races and factions from different cultures and so on, I trust CA. I might not trust GW so much, but I trust I CA. <laughs> I, I, I completely I, I trust CA. Out. Yeah, I, I, tr <laughs> I trust Creative Assembly very, very much. Um, yeah. Design-wise. Um, I, <laughs> no, I, I don't trust Games Workshop. Um, they, do, they do cool stuff, but it's, it's, it's Jump the Shark cool stuff, not, <laughs> not, not grounded cool stuff. Um, yeah. Great. Um, so uh, I think I think we're pretty much at time. Um, we've been going for about an hour forty, so I I think that's that's a good place to end it for today. Um, mm -hmm. uh, if, if there's kind of any like outstanding uh, uh, comments or the chat that you'd like to point out, or any kind of like outstanding uh, thoughts you have uh, as we're kind of wrapping up, but like one thing I wanted to point out that showed up in my chat that I really appreciated is like someone in chat, uh, Charger Rhino, literally just said that oh you know for India I'd love to see um, a, a creature called the Holly um interpreted to be a warhammer monster which i have no idea what that is um i'm gonna try and google it indian myth yali and see if anything pulls up yep i see it and it looks very cool it's literally like a horse type creature that has a an elephant's head <laughs> sounds fun sounds cool though like sounds like it would make a really good monstrous cavalry unit um, yeah um but like it's yeah part elephant part horse part lion sounds great <laughs> Why not? A, yes it's called a leogriff sounds perfect sounds like a perfect demigriff equivalent but uh you know just like great stuff like that um and so any 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 closing thoughts or um things from you nathan before we wrap up honestly i i'm just like like everyone else i'm patiently awaiting cafe uh I want it to be good. Uh, I want it to be cool like you guys do. Keep in mind that um, I'd say like you and I being so firmly rooted in Warhammer Fantasy that we don't tend to look at this as a, a YouTuber or streamer perspective. We look at it more as a fan perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when new stuff gets announced, we're like... Does this look good? Does this look that? Does this is is this Warhammer Fantasy, which is always in the back of my mind because it's it's just something that just makes um it, it, it's a very important world for us, man. Like this is this is like everything to me, you know. Yeah. This is one of these things that you has know, taken so up so much of our childhood. Yeah, one one thing I want to point out that I think is super important to understand about why Lorebeards exists as a concept, even, is that what, like when when I had the idea to kind of get this made, 
is that and like i was thinking like who who would be the best person to talk to on a weekly basis which is really hard to do for the record uh i i've tried podcast type scenarios many times and they always die super fast because you just run out of shit to talk about um and uh but it was like you know what nathan because nathan is the only other person who not the only other person i should say but the person who i identify the most with as far as if youtube died tomorrow right like if it just like ceased existing for some reason and me and nathan could no longer do anything where we could talk to y'all ever again we would still do this <laughs> like nothing would change for us we would still be mm. all up in warhammer's grill talking to each other for hours about stupid crap and like you know we're not we're not in this for the youtube whatever we did this because we're just super passionate about the game you know it's not it's not about it's not about that total war warhammer is a popular game therefore as youtubers we're following the money that's that's not that's not what we do not not throwing and shade on anyone that does do that like you do you um you you do what gets bread on the table but you know for us regardless of how popular warhammer is we're gonna be following it and we're gonna be talking about it and that's that's all there is to say on that yeah if we wanted real money we'd be doing minecraft <laughs> yeah i think that's the truth <laughs> um so uh thank you all so much for uh joining us today for this uh episode of Lorebeards. um we uh be sure to keep an eye on twitter and our uh discords for uh when the next episode will be um tentatively it'll probably be not this sunday but next sunday but you know that may change depending on if we've got something going on uh one of these days we will <laughs> we will land on a consistent sunday schedule but um for now uh that's gonna be it for us today thank you all so much for watching uh make sure that uh before or starting today you start working on a hero model whether maybe you're just new to the hobby, maybe go to your local store and pick up just like a cheap hero. You can usually get them for like 10 to 15 bucks if you just like want any hero. Um, or for those of us that have massive backlogs, just pick one <laughs> of the thousands that you probably have lying around. Um, and uh, be sure to use that Lorebeard hashtag um, uh, on Twitter to make sure that we see them. And uh, that'll be it. So see you guys next time. Yeah. Uh, if you have any feedback or recommendations, you can always hit me or Nathan up on Twitter. Just add us in uh, on a tweet or whatever, or jump into our discords and say something. Um, appreciate you all. And uh, yep. Yeah, thanks for watching guys.